You're about to listen to the Meet Mediocrity Podcast, Season 3, Episode 7. My guest today is Max Perkins, and Max will forever be world famous, well, at least my world famous, for being my first friend on Nantucket Island, Massachusetts. And why this is significant is because Nantucket has become the happy place for me and for my wife, Magnificent Meredith. Um, but this episode isn't about me and Meredith. It's about Max Perkins and his life on Nantucket and why there are some lessons learned that I think are applicable to all of us. Ready to hear more about it? Let's get started. Welcome to the Meet Mediocrity Podcast, Season 3, Episode 7, the Max Perkins episode. But before I get to Max, I need to remind you of a couple of quick things. Quick thing one, please check out the Meet Mediocrity YouTube channel. That's right. Every Tuesday, we release a video, five minutes or shorter, that describes a... um, experience I had, an observation I had, a tip or a trick that I may have discovered relating to wellness. And wellness could be physical fitness, it could be diet, it could be mindset, it could be a lot of things. But these quick videos um, are cute, they're fun, they're getting a lot of great publicity. Check it out, go to YouTube, type in Meet Mediocrity, Check out our videos and subscribe. That's thing one. Thing two, the Meet Mediocrity newsletter is being published weekly on Thursdays. So videos Tuesdays, newsletter Thursdays, podcast Fridays. So the Thursday newsletter is a great summary of podcast and video happenings from the week before. Recaps from the week before, happenings from the week ahead, and exclusive to the newsletter, some wellness tips, tricks, observations, recommendations, articles I've read, books I've read, things that I think you'll find interesting. So go to meetmediocrity.com, plug in your email address, and be subscribed to our Thursday newsletter. Now, let's go to Max Perkins in Nantucket. Why, other than the fact that he's my friend, does Max get a spot on the Meet Mediocrity podcast? Well, a couple things. One, I love the fact that Max lives on Nantucket Island, a place that I have grown to love as well. Second, I love the fact that Max grew up on the island, left the island, and came back to the island to make a life there. Third, I love the fact that Max, you know, lives in Nantucket, which is quite a seasonal community. It's maybe 
10 or 11,000 full-time residents and maybe 50 or 60,000 people during the summer months. So very transient and a community where making a living could be a challenge um, when your big you know, spending or big money-making opportunities are when the tourists are there during the summer months. But Max has figured out a way to make it work. He um, first makes it work through being a realtor. His real estate agency uh, he works for um, that he's a broker at is called William Reves Real Estate. That's R-A-V-E-I-S. And you can get Max um, Perkins at um, his website, um, maxperkinsrealestate.com or by email max.perkins at reves, R-A-V-E-I-S dot com. And that's how we met Max. We met Max um, because Meredith and I decided that uh, we, we went to Nantucket for the first time about two years ago. We really fell in love with it. In fact, it became like an instant happy place for us. You know, the type of place you go to where your shoulders drop an inch or so when you get there. The place where you, you may not have been there very much or before in your life, but you instantly feel at home. The type of place where the vibe is your vibe. Well, that's what Nantucket became for Meredith and I. And we found Max Perkins, who is our real estate agent. So Max is helping Meredith and I find a home that we can have as our own on Nantucket. More to come on that. This isn't about us. But that is one thing Max does. Some other things Max does is to make a living in in, um, a transient community like Nantucket is he works on his family's um, charter boat business called Shearwater Excursions. I was going to say shearwaterexcursions.com. That's the website. Uh, Shearwater is the name of a bird. So it's spelled S-H-E-A-R-W-A-T-E-R, Shearwater Excursions, shearwaterexcursions.com. Booze cruises, whale watching, um, sightseeing cruises. Um, If you go to Nantucket, you need to check out shearwaterexcursions.com. So Max does that too. Max and his father do commercial scalloping in the fall where they harvest scallops out of Nantucket Harbor, which are the sweetest um, and tastiest scallops on the planet. Um, And he also does other things like he refs soccer, he refs hockey, he coaches hockey. Max does what he needs to do to make a living and live on Nantucket Island. So... I've stolen enough of Max's thunder. Without further delay, here's my conversation with Max Perkins. So, Max, thanks for being with me today. Thanks for having me. Um, as you know, uh, my listeners don't know this, but you know, uh, you're my first friend on Nantucket. Love it. And Nantucket is, um, over the past two years, become uh, quite the happy place for Meredith and me. Uh, you're not just a friend. You're also our realtor and we're hoping that one day that you and we make a deal on a house, but we will, right? There's when there's a will, there's a way. And it's gonna happen. It's gonna, it's happen. gonna happen. Okay, cool. Island time, uh, remember. That's what you told <laughs> me. You said everything happens on island time. And so 
that doesn't completely surprise me because the pace of life in in places that are kind of vacation places, maybe a little bit away from a metropolitan area, um, tend to move at a different speed. And I'm a New Yorker, so I move at a, bi- a very quick speed. But so island time is really a thing as far as you're concerned. It, it really is. And it's it's two faced almost, you know, it's things happen quickly, you know, during the summer where you have such a short window for businesses to be open, you have this huge influx of people. But then from the year rounder type of perspective, you know, things definitely do take longer to happen. FedEx and UPS take a little bit longer to deliver out here. And so Amazon Prime doesn't get there the next day all the time. They don't guarantee two day anymore. And I don't know if that's just a COVID related thing or if it's like they're just trying to get away from that since we're we're considered a remote island. (laughs) As hard as that is to fathom that they consider 30 30 miles out at sea, right? (laughs) Um, so before I get into what I want to get into, I just, just on this, um, COVID, um, Nantucket, um, I've read a lot in, in, not just about Nantucket, but a lot of these places that are away from metropolitan areas that are desirable, Nantucket mm-hmm. is desirable, that there are, um, a ton of people moving there so they can telecommute there and spend more time there. So have you seen that Has the past year has COVID uh, increased the uh, population of Nantucket? Um, I I think to a degree, yes. Uh, More and more people were on the Island through the holidays. And I've definitely noticed um, a, a drop off since Thanksgiving and even more so since Christmas. Um, you and I both being golfers, it, it's actually kind of funny that you can uh, you can table how busy the island is by how difficult it is to get a tee time at my comet, which is the public golf course out here. Yeah. And this past weekend, I was able to walk on, you know, at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. And that does not happen in the summer ever. No, not, not <laughs> at all. Um, wow. So... It's interesting because I, I, now that I'm a Nantucket lover, I follow like every stinking Nantucket thing on Instagram. And <laughs> one does. And, and from what I can tell, um, this has been a quite a subdued holiday season, a, you know, a little bit less going on than the norm. I think Thanksgiving was pretty busy, um, but yeah, our the holiday festivities on the island are are a huge draw. The um, you know the the day after Thanksgiving um, is the uh, the Christmas tree lighting ceremony right. where all the, the trees get lit up on Main Street, and then the first Saturday in December is the holiday Christmas stroll festival, mm-hmm. and then you know there's there's all these events going on up through Christmas Eve. And, you know, everything was canceled this year. So, you know, albeit, you know, some of the things were held virtually, but it's just the same. Virtually is not the same. It's just not. I mean, the only thing that's good about virtual is it's easy to have face-to-face meetings. Like there are meetings that would always always be by phone. Now people just turn on the camera and they see each other. So in a way, that's cool. Um, So let's let's get to the point here, Max. one of the the reason that I asked you to join me is I'm like, I think what you do for a living is freaking cool because you do like three, four five different things for a living, Um, which when I first met you, you said that's kind of a virtue of being 
on Nantucket and being in a place that is seasonal. So before I get into your, your um, occupation or occupations, what was it like? Most of my listeners didn't grow up in kind of like a transient, you know, vacation focused, holiday focused community. What was it like growing up there? Um, it, it really does give you a different perspective on life. You know, I'm, I'm so appreciative for my upbringing here because, you know, on the one hand you have, you know, a big draw for, you know, the, the Uber wealthy to come out to the Island in the summer and, you know, growing up the year round community, you know, is certainly, you know, didn't, doesn't have the same wealth. Right. that you know the summer crowd does and so you know when you have those two very stark differences you get you notice things on both sides of the coin you know there's it all depends on who you ask is kind of dictates you know how they how they view the the uh the way the island is so transient like that you know some people are like, oh, the summers are way too busy. I can't wait till Labor Day when everyone leaves. And then winter comes and those same people are like, oh, it's too quiet here. You know, like we need to be a little busy again and no one's ever happy. Right. You know, growing up with a seasonal business, we thrive on crowds. And mm-hmm. so when we're busy, things are great. And then you, you bust your butt for a few months and then things quiet down and you kind of enjoy the winners travel a little bit and and catch up on the things you weren't able to during the summer. Well, listen, seasonal businesses are not necessarily a bad thing. I spent most of my career growing up as a tax accountant and, you know, busy season, you know, you're working crazy hours. um, Mm -hmm. But then there are certain months of the year where you're like, you know, nine to five or even earlier is like more than enough time. So it equals out. Um, so, Max, I'm curious. Um, I am sure there are people there who appreciate, you know, the the uber wealthy tourists who come in and spend money. There are probably a lot of them who resent it. There are people who are just like, oh, for goodness sake, like, you know, mm-hmm. these people are over the top. I'm sure you see a little bit of both of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's it is an interesting point, you know, because they're you definitely have the crowds who, you know, come in and they, they treat it like a vacation and not much else, you know, right. they come in, they expect to eat at the finest restaurants and get top tier service and everything. But then there's the people who appreciate the Island for, for all the beauty that it has. And they, they honestly treat it like a second home. And, you know, those are the crowds that I really assimilate with. Um, you know, where, where they appreciate the same beauty in the Island that I have. Well, you know, you say second home or, or as a home, it's kind of like having a house guest, right? When someone comes to your house and they like trash the place or, you know, they, they drop something on the floor and they don't pick it up. You're like, what the hell? You, you're a guest in my house. You don't <laughs> invite them back. <laughs> you don't invite it back. But, you know, when you live on Nantucket, you don't really have a choice. The, the, those yeah. jerks tend to come back. But it's the people who really respect your house who, you know, don't, don't dribble on the toilet seat. (laughs) Those are the people that you you appreciate. So I'm with you. Um, So how did you tell me a little bit about how you evolved into someone who is, you know, you've got, you've got more cool jobs, (laughs) uh, but how did that, how did that all transpire? 
You Man, weren't just you weren't uh, you didn't just start as a realtor. No. So I I went to private school up outside of Boston for middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. Um I would always come back. I uh signed up through the the drug screening program and was able to work as a as a mate on my on my parents boat ever since I was 14. So my summers since then and even a little bit before that were devoted to learning everything I could about boats, learning about the wildlife and the eco tours and the nature excursions that we were running. It, excuse me. So um I knew that I wanted to work on boats and and be on the water and 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 have that as be a huge part of my life, right? And so I found that through my other jobs, I was always looking for jobs that gave me the flexibility to come back and be able to do the thing that I truly wanted to do during the season, which was being on the water. So man yeah i've i've held so many jobs um when i was a sophomore in high school i uh, got my license to referee soccer and i you know started out with the youth and the then the amateur and then all the way up to the semi pro ranks and did that for the better part of 15 years um so when you so let me let me let me stop you for a second so two things so first you your family has a charter boat business they still do right so you've yep. that's that's been part of your life since since you were young what do you guys do well i mean you say charter boats like what does that mean so we have three commercial boats in our fleet and we take passengers out on various excursions we have a, a big boat that goes offshore and does whale watches and seal cruises it also has its liquor license so we run you know booze cruises on it in the harbor we have a smaller boat um, that just does hour-long you know scenic tours through the harbor and then we have uh, our smallest boat in the fleet is a 24-foot flat bottom that does adventure tours you know exploring all the different beaches throughout the harbor and you know showing people the natural beauty of the island and the small boat is the one that i was on with you right that is yes okay so and and by the way i'm totally you're totally taking me whale watching next summer like i (laughs) i totally want to do that and and anyone who knows me knows like i usually stink on boats like i'm one of these people who (laughs) like gets motion sickness in the bathtub but um I'm going whale watching. I'll take Dramamine. I don't care what it takes, but I want to see a whale. And and you told me, you said, Mitch, like we we basically guarantee it. We guarantee it without writing it on paper. <laughs> okay, so it's 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 a bit of a sales pitch. But do you usually do you usually see whales when you go out? So I mean, in the my parents started the business in what uh, they incorporated in '98. So in 22 years, we've been skunked three times. On Only three times. Only three times. Wow. And all three of those times, it was fog related. Mm-hmm. Two of those times, my dad and I both saw a whale, but by the time we, we were like, oh, oh, it was already disappeared into the fog. So the people didn't get to see it. Gotcha. Well, okay. So you're totally taking me. So, and you still do that. So you, st- and I know you still do that because you took me last summer. So you yeah. still run charters all summer. So yeah, so I I uh, 
by the time I turned 18, I had logged enough hours on the water to, uh, to qualify for my captain's rating. And so mm-hmm. I, I, uh, did I'm what they call a Haas Piper. So rather than going through, uh, a maritime Academy, like mass maritime, um, I came in through the Haas pipe of a ship, which is, you know, the little porthole where the, yep. the lines go through. Mm-hmm. And so I did all self-study and then I, uh, I signed up at the, the Boston examination center and, and took my test when I was 18. And this was three weeks after I graduated high school. Wow. So you also mentioned refing soccer. So I can't imagine that there are semi-pro matches. I mean, I would imagine there's like 12 year old matches on Nantucket. So I assume you traveled to ref soccer. So, yeah. So, um, I was, uh, going to high school in Boston. And so, you know, on weekends when I wasn't coming back to see family on Nantucket, I was traveling around the state and the region doing youth and regional and even national level competitions um, from the youth perspective and then slowly you know moving up to the the adult and semi-pro stuff and you tried so you traveled for those did you travel far and wide or was it just kind of up to boston or cape cod um i mean predominantly it was throughout new england mm-hmm. um, and then on invitation, I'd be going down to, you know, Texas or Florida, wow. California. Um, I, I've hit quite a number of States just, just through soccer alone. Now, do you still ref soccer? No, nope, I, uh, I hung it up a couple of years ago. Um, just getting, getting too busy with life and real estate and, and other ventures, you know, it was time to not spread myself so thin. So let's talk about real estate. Um, in addition to having me pressuring you to find me the perfect house, <laughs> <laughs> um, how did you get into real estate on Nantucket? I imagine it's a very small area with a lot of competition. I think there's about 300 something brokers on the island in total. Um, and it's so just yeah, a little bit more than 300 houses. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I actually got my start in Boston. Um, I was working for Keller Williams in the Boston metro area. And I I knew that I had always wanted to move back to the island. I just wasn't there full time. And Mm -hmm. you really do have to have your feet on the ground out here year round to have your, you know, finger on the pulse, so to speak, of of the the real estate market. Yep. Um, you know, I, I married my wonderful wife in October of last year. And yep. this year through the pandemic, you know, we made the exciting decision to be out on Nantucket full time. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's a lot. She's not because she's not a local. Um, She's not. She's what we call a wash ashore. <laughs> wash ashore. <laughs> Something I'm aspiring to be a wash ashore. Exactly. Okay. Uh, so she but, you know, I, what was it like? a month into our relationship when we started dating, I brought her down to the Island for her her first time. She met my parents and, you know, we went out on my dad's scallop boat. I took her out on the bluff walk out to Sankety lighthouse. Um, she fell in love with the Island pretty quickly. Uh, you know, she had her first bloody Mary at the brewery and, you know, all all the good things that a, that a tourist does out here. Yep. Yep. Uh, so she she and I are thriving out here and it's 
it's been good. So you're now you're now back on the island full time. You're doing real estate. You're running yes. family charter business or helping run it. And I know that for sure because I remember last summer when I would say, Mac, show me some houses. And you would say, I've got a tour <laughs> at this time, but I can show you the house <laughs> at that time. So we worked around that. So um, but that's not all you do, Max. You, you, well, first of all, you do other stuff on the boat and you do other stuff on the island. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, um, yeah, I mean, just kind of coupling into your, your thesis point of, you know, this chat here is growing up in a seasonal industry, you know, that when the getting's good, you got to figure out how to maximize the get. Right. Yep. And so all summer long, you know, I'm busting my butt doing the the boat charters, filling it in. And all my clients this year have been fantastic. You know, they know, they understand that in a seasonal area, it's like, hey, yeah, I've, I've got charters from, you know, eight to three. I've got an hour and a half break. Let's go out, check out a few homes. And then I got a sunset cruise that I got to be back for. And they're like, yep. perfect. You know, let's, let's get into two or three places and we'll be good. Yep. Um, Jesus, I, uh, I was a, a bouncer for some various summer bars and restaurants for a number of years. Um, you know, I would referee the, the adult league soccers out here, um, the adult soccer leagues, uh, for, for a number of summers, um, help out on other businesses. Uh, my brother ran a junk removal company for, you know, seven or eight years. And so I would, I would get phone calls from him to do odd jobs. Like, Hey, someone just needs someone to do a dump run or, uh, clean out their attic or move, you know, their outdoor furniture into the garage when they're closing the house up for the season. So you just, you mentioned, oh, you mentioned, you know, you mentioned to me that you'll actually, um, house sit for people. Like, so if there are people who, who leave the Island for the off season, you'll keep an eye on their house. Yeah, I do caretaking as well. And mm -hmm. so it's, you know, I'll go visit their houses, you know, once Make a sure week. no water pipes burst, make sure exactly. that no animals took up residence inside the house. Exactly. No squatters, no anything like <laughs> no that. No squatters. What about um you, the other thing you mentioned to me, um, or you mentioned earlier in, in this conversation is uh, the scallop boat. So yeah. you guys actually go out and harvest scallops? Yeah, so the... Uh, Nantucket has one of the last remaining uh, bay scallop fisheries in the entire country. And, you know, we're, I, I'm fortunate, you know, my dad's been doing it for, geez, 40 something years now. So, wow. uh, yeah, I, I have my commercial license. And so we'll go out and, um, you know, we sell them to the fish markets. And then, you know, also during the holidays, we also have a laundry list of clients and friends that will send stuff to, um, you know, well, I, yeah. like fresh Nantucket Bay scallops. Let me tell you something. So, um, I was fortunate enough to make it to your gift list and, um, there is no scallop I've ever tasted. That's as sweet and delicious as an Nantucket Bay scallop. And, and, and you, you told me that you, first of all, you said you've never tasted anything like this. You also told me that the scallop industry is really been taking a hit over the past few years. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the, one of the detriments of the, the population explosion on the Island is unfortunately, you know, our water quality in the Harbor has been suffering. Yep. The, the eelgrass, which is the seaweed that we get up here is a federally protected species 
and it's crucial for the development of clam scallops and mussels when they're in their their infant larval stage they mm -hmm. actually attach to the eelgrass collect the nutrients before they develop the shell and settle down and under the bottom and i think uh Jesus, what, what is it? It's, it's been like an 80 or 90% decline over the past 30 years mm. of the total eelgrass across the entire Harbor. And so, um, you know, the scallop fishery, they would frequently pull in 110 to 130,000 bushels of scallops back in the eighties and nineties across the whole fleet. And I, I think I remember telling you last year, it was only like 10 or 12,000 bushels total in the entire season. So it's been a huge drop off. I'm hoping it's not a completely lost cause. As you know, I live on Long Island and, and water quality in the Long Island Sound is big news here. And as I understand it, the water quality in Long Island Sound after a concerted effort is much better than it was 10, 20 years ago. So I'm not saying it's perfect, but it, the water quality has improved due to conservation and concerted efforts around water quality. Absolutely. And what is it, the, the East River or the, or the Hudson, yep. the one where they're doing the propagation for the oystering? That's correct. That's um, correct. Yeah. And so there's been notable, noticeable improvements in the water quality ever since the, they've reintroduced, you know, oysters to the, to the water table there. Yep. And they're used to, I, I actually remember reading an article, even off the coast of the Jersey shore, there used to be these oyster reefs, if you want to call it that extending up and down the coastline mm -hmm. that acted as a, a, a shelter right. um, to the coastline, you know, keeping the water clean and also protecting the coastline from, you know, huge storm waves and everything. That's like right. That. That's right. So you, you kind of, as you and I've discussed, we're both, we're both, um, you know, ecologists and conservationists, or at least amateurs. And, um, yeah. we both believe that you kind of have to work with nature, not against it. And that that's a good way to do it. So nature you also, doesn't stop. sorry, <laughs> nature doesn't stop. Nature doesn't stop. And, you know, you've seen it on Nantucket. I see it on Long Island where, um, People try to put up like seawalls and people try to, I mean, come on. Like it, I remember once try, looking at houses on the South shore of Long Island. I live on the North shore. And I remember looking at houses where the they would build seawalls in front of, on the water. Yet, so, so they wouldn't get water in their backyard, but their neighbors would. Like, what's the point? Doing that, I, re I relate that to putting a Band-Aid over open heart surgery. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's a temporary fix at best, and right. eventually the floodgates are going to open, so to speak. Not to mention, so not only does the Band-Aid not, not heal the heart surgery, it actually is pretty ugly looking, too. I mean, <laughs> I look at these seawalls, I'm like, okay, your backyard's going to be dry, but you're staring at this ugly freaking wall, and your yeah. neighbors are going to get flooded. Um, not, not smooth. So... The other thing you mentioned, so you and I, Max, and, and if we're going to be friends, there's one thing we're never going to agree on, and that's hockey teams. I almost wore my... Uh, my I almost wore my... <laughs> I, knew you were, I thought you might wear your Bruins hat. I was going to wear my Islanders hat. So that's one that you and I are both big hockey fans, and, yeah. and you and I will never agree on Bruins and Islanders. Um, but you also told me that you're a um, hockey referee as well and a hockey coach. So... Tell me about, you know, that's a good thing to do in the winter, by the way. So, in the yeah. Office. So, um, 
So when I first became a soccer referee, I was back and forth a lot between here and um, there were, uh, so I signed up as a hockey referee and a soccer referee in the same year. And there were much more opportunities for development as a soccer referee based on me being back and forth from Nantucket as much as I was. Mm -hmm. And so I followed the path of least resistance and, you know, just followed soccer full time and didn't give much thought into hockey. And then four or five years ago when I was doing winners up in Boston, I, you know, got back into it. And now I'm a linesman in hockey East and I, you know, referee some of the prep schools around the Boston area. Um, this year, I also took a job as the assistant coach for the girls uh, high school team out on Nantucket here. It's their second year having a program and there's definitely, you know, a little bit of a learning curve, but it's an incredible, incredible group of girls and, you know, really looking forward to having some semblance of a season this year. Yeah, I imagine COVID has been tough, especially on, on an island. I mean, there's there's a limited number of things going on as it is. And with COVID, it makes it much worse. So the girls are playing hockey despite the COVID concerns? We're practicing. We're following state guidelines, you know, from a coaching perspective. Every single morning, like right before you and I jumped on this call, I had to fill out a daily COVID questionnaire right. that I have to send back to our athletic director before I participate in any practices. All the girls have to do the same thing. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of trust placed in the girls as well, you know, where if they recognize that they may have had secondary exposure or something like that, you know, we've gotten phone calls that it's like, Hey, I'm going to take the next two days off of practice until I wait for test results. I potentially was exposed, you know, we're going to play it safe and everybody has been very, very good. And, you know, understanding that it's a privilege to be out on the ice right now. There are so many reasons to get shut down and we don't want any of the fingers to kind of come back to us. And listen, dur during the course of the pandemic, for the most part, Nantucket has fared well. I mean, you know, I, I, you haven't, you've had your blips, but, but compared to a lot of other parts of the country, you've mostly fared well. I, th I think so. Yeah. It's just, it, it's tough because this whole pandemic has highlighted, you know, the stark differences between the year rounders and the vacationers where, you know, it's, it's tough. There's, there's been a lot of finger pointing this year and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's no way to escape it. So because people come to visit your house and they don't put on a mask. So in, exactly. in, in addition to uh, dribbling on your toilet <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and leaving crumbs on the kitchen floor, they don't wear a mask. And, and I was at Nant I was on Nantucket a couple of times this summer and every street post in the entire downtown area has a picture that says wear a mask. Yeah. So put on the damn mask. <laughs> I think for the most part, people were good. You know, there were obviously some, you know, rebellious teenagers and, you know, other right. like individuals who wouldn't wear a mask. But I, I, I'd honestly say, you know, 98% of the people, you know, were, were like, look, if, if the worst thing I have to do is put on a mask, I'll, I'll wear it. At the end of the day, I'm on Nantucket, which is 
a blessing. Exactly. I will admit that I did. I did drop the mask to lick my uh, waffle cone from the juice bar. (laughs) So, um, so, okay. So let's be philosophical as we get towards the end of our, our conversation. So here's the, the, a lot more people today, whether you live on Nantucket or not, there are a lot more people today who are living in what we call, I don't know whether this is, whether I'm going to have the definition exactly right, but they call it the gig economy. People who work um, part-time jobs or seasonal jobs or jobs that suit their lifestyle or jobs that suit their life, you know, their, 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 their pleasures, things they enjoy. And 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 that's very non-traditional. Like if you would ask my father, and he would say, you know, you you I need a career, you need a job, a job, a single job, um, and and you don't need to do. That. Look, it's for some people. Don't get me wrong, but you don't need to live that lifestyle um, to a make a living and b have a lot of fun. So I assume I, I wanted to get your thoughts on that, just as it applies to others. Yeah, it's um I I mean I've always appreciated having the flexibility of writing my own schedule, right? Mm-hmm. And back in my early 20s, I kind of started developing my passion for sales type of mentality, mm-hmm. you know, a selling my calls bogus or not bogus on the soccer field or on the hockey rink <laughs> be like, I'd sell charters to people, you know, yeah. working these, uh, you know, these charters during the summer, I'm, I'm chatting people up where I'm meeting them and, you know, convincing them that our business is, you know, will provide a superior service to them on the Island and they'll appreciate it. So I, one of my, one of my first jobs in my early twenties, um, they're not first jobs, but one of my jobs back then, I worked in car sales mm-hmm. and I was good at it, but I just hated myself at the end of the day. I was, you know, showing up at 8 a.m., leaving at 7, 8, 9 p.m. at night whenever the, the office would close down. And it was just it, it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I was just kind of back to the the gig work, so to speak. And yep. Uh, I actually, uh, one more job that, uh, I don't know if I've mentioned to you, I lived in the Bahamas for a little while and taught scuba diving. And so <laughs> I can't say I'm surprised. You didn't you had not told me that, but I can't say I'm surprised. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I, I did that for a winter and then, you know, boom, I was right back to Nantucket in the summer. And then, um, it was actually a conversation with that my girlfriend at the time, my now wife had with my mother, you know, where it was like, they, they could see that, you know, I was successful in what I, in everything that I did, but it was, I was constantly rotating through stuff throughout the seasons. And they were like, you know, why don't you get your real estate license? You tried the car sales and you were good at it. Real estate seems to have a little bit more flexible scheduling and, you know, it might be something you'll be good at. So, you know, I begrudgingly at first went and took the class. I had to sit in a classroom for 40 hours. This is before you could do it online. Right. And got my license. And I think within, within like three weeks, I got my first deal. And it was a, it was a rental deal. Mm-hmm. My, my commission check was like a thousand bucks. And I was right. like, sweet. Like, <laughs> I want to do this again. <laughs> And so it, uh, yeah, I, I just kind of 
slowly started building my building my base that next summer i actually met one of my best real estate clients a, a big landlord in back bay boston mm-hmm. came out on one of my charter boats and gave me a business card and was like hey when you're back up in boston this winter i've got some rentals for you and he you know like all those rentals that i did paid my bills for the winter right there and there you, so, go. you know this is this is something that i could get used to and so now um, you know, I, I, I don't, I referee on the side because I enjoy doing it. I don't mm-hmm. do it because I need money anymore. Right. Right. I do the charter boats during the summer because it's a fantastic way to meet clients. Right. Real estate is now, you know, my full-time job and it's, you know, it, it's something that I'm so appreciative of. But you know, what you, what you said is really cool. And that is you do things you love. You do things that pay well, and you also tie the things together. Like, you know, if you could, you know, we talked about harvesting oysters and scallops, you know, you can harvest really good real estate clients when they go whale watching or booze cruising. So it's all good now. So Max, um, first of all, um, thank you for joining me. You're welcome. Um, Thank you you for being my first friend on Nantucket. First of many. First of many, I hope. but that's really going to depend on you, Max. So you really, you really need to get me like the perfect house. Cause if I get the perfect house on Nantucket, we're going to be seeing a lot of each other. Absolutely. All right. Have a good day. Take care. You as well. You can see why I think Max is pretty cool. First of all, he lives on Nantucket Island, a place that I love. Secondly, Nantucket being a transient island where its uh, residency booms during the summer, but is quite a bit smaller during the winter, Max has figured out how to make a living. He has done a bunch of different jobs, jobs that he loves, and jobs that are strung together more than sufficient to make a living. And, you know, Max is a Nantucket Islander. He was born on Nantucket. He went to Boston to do some real estate and to learn the real estate business. It was in Boston where he met Melanie, who was from Connecticut, grew up in Connecticut, and was visiting a friend in Boston. The two of them got together. The two of them are now married. And the two of them have now decided to make a life for themselves on Nantucket. So good on them. and. Next week, on the next episode of Meet Mediocrity, I will have Melanie on the show to talk a little bit about her journey from Nantucket to Boston's um, uh, interlude with Max and her life on Nantucket, where she has two businesses that she's she's, um, making a go of it as an entrepreneur on Nantucket. So with that said, finding your happy place is a big thing. Figuring, it out, figuring out a way to actually live there is an amazing thing. And Max and Melanie and others who I admire have done that. So anyway, final word is as follows. A, please remember to check out the YouTube channel for Meet Mediocrity. Please remember to go to meetmediocrity.com and subscribe to our email, our weekly email newsletter. 
And until next time, please stay safe, wear a mask, stay healthy, get your vaccine when you can, and stay positive, keep smiling, and be well. Take care, everybody.